Welcome to Mammal Talk, the companion podcast for the Blood Bowl Mid-Atlantic Mauling League. In this episode, who are we talking about? We're talking about Wood Elves. Welcome to episode 20. In this episode, we are doing a spotlight on Wood Elves. I know we skipped out the on the final bracket of the Dungeon Bowl. My apologies uh, about that. It's been it's been a number of weeks. I figure we're just not going to <laughs> we're not going to cover it in the podcast. If you would like to look at those matches, uh, they are all on our YouTube archive. You can check that out by searching for Blood Bowl Mammal on YouTube. Pity the Ghoul would win the Dungeon Bowl one to zero against Jingles all the way. They are the new Dungeon Bowl champions they were undefeated in the dungeon bowl congratulations to dead fred and pity the ghoul we are well underway in the blood bowl at the time of recording here just one game remaining in the blood bowl that is the finals itself it's bound to be a good one Uh, i hope you guys will watch that we'll talk about that next week but this week uh, let's talk about wood elves Wood Elves are a very interesting team in Blood Bowl. They are some of the fastest and most agile players in the entire game. Almost every player, other than the big guy, has an AG of four. That makes them very, very scary on the pitch when it comes to offense. It can also make them very scary on defense as well. That AG of four allows them to dodge very easily. It allows them to make lots of AG rolls they need to make. Uh, The War Dancers. The War Dancers... Uh, they can leap blitz, so they can leap into a cage. They can blitz the ball carrier. If they have stripped ball, they're going to get that ball out of the cage. Uh, they can be very, very annoying. They come with block and dodge as well. Trees are, in my opinion, one of the greatest big guys in the game of Blood Bowl. They're negative, uh, negative traits. Don't take them off the pitch or don't remove their tackle zones or anything. I think they're very, very strong. They also have uh, the... The biggest armor value you can have in Blood Bowl, they have an AV of 10. Wood Elves are also very interesting in that you can play them one or two ways strategically. You can play them either in a very offensive way or in a very defensive way, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the episode. Their big, big downsides are twofold. One, they're very brittle. Everybody other than the tree has an AV of seven. They come off the pitch very, very easily. And two, they're very expensive. Linemen are 70K, and it just gets more expensive from there. Uh, so they can be tricky to play, especially for new players. You'll find yourself not having a lot of players. And if you're not careful, you can find yourselves having nobody. You can be tabled. So we'll talk about the rosters. We'll talk about options for Wood Elves. We'll talk about their strategies and tactics and how you might see success with a Wood Elf team. The Wood Elf roster is very, very solid. Even the linemen are great, and that's thanks to that AG of four. Everybody's very expensive. Let's talk about the War Dancers first. They come in at an enormous 120,000 gold. They have a stat line of 8347, so that's a movement allowance of 8, a strength of 3, agility of 4, and an armor value of 7. So very, very fragile. And again, 
all players other than the big guy are fragile. They all have an AV of seven. They all have an AG of four. Uh, an MA of eight is pretty fast. They come with block, dodge, and leap. Block and dodge is huge, especially for a starting piece. Block and dodge means there's only one face on the block die that's going to knock that player down. It's going to be very difficult to take down the War Dancer. And they have leap. Uh, as part of their movement, they can jump two spaces. They can ignore negative modifiers on that jump. And as we'll talk about later in the episode, this can be used to great effect, not just to get away, but to cage bust. The throwers come in at 90,000 gold. They have a stat line of 7347. They have the pass skill. Throwers are very solid on, on a Wood Elf roster. You're going to be throwing a lot. This is a throwing team. You'll throw this ball all day long with an AG of four. You can throw it as far as you want. <laughs> you're bound to, uh, depending on the length of your league, you're bound to come up with some players that end up with AG5. So thrower is always a very, very solid pickup. The catcher is also solid. They're 90k as well. They have a stat line of 8247. They have a strength of 2. They trade an MA. Rather, they trade a strength for an MA. That's pretty typ typical for catchers. They have catch, dodge, and sprint. So dodge, of course, a great skill. Sprint means they get to take three GFIs instead of two, and this means they are able to do a one-turn touchdown. If you have a catcher on your roster, you can take a one-turn touchdown, so your opponent really has to think twice about giving you one turn to uh, to score, right? Often you'll, you'll uh, stall for as long as you can, but they might not have a choice but to give you a turn, and if that's the case, they need to set up their defense accordingly. The linemen are the cheapest on this roster. They have uh, they come in at a, at a cost of 70k, pretty expensive for a lineman. They have a stat line of 7347. That's not a bad stat line. That's fairly fast. Strength of three is totally fine. AG of four is great. Linemen are great on this roster, and don't feel bad about picking one up. They can do everything. With that AG of four and a strength of three, they can mark, they can block, they can pass, they can catch. They're great. And that's part of what makes an, a Wood Elf roster so strong. Every one of these positionals is fantastic with that AG of four. The Treatment or the big guy, they come in at 120k. That's as expensive as a War Dancer. They have a stat line of 26110. That's a strength of six. It's ridiculous. And of course, an AV of 10. That's the highest value you can have for any stat. They have Mighty Blow, Stand Firm, Strong Arm, Thick Skull, Throw Teammate, and Take Root. Of course, they're a loner as well, as all big guys are. As most big guys are, I should say. Um, they have Throw Teammate, doesn't really do anything for a Wood Elf team, but they do have Strong Arms. So if somehow a Treeman gets possession of the ball with that low AG of 1, we saw it happen in the league before uh, on an interception. He's got Strong Arms, so he can get a plus 1 on, on his... Uh, Passes, anything but a quick pass. But take root is really his negatrate. And that means if he fails a die roll, he'll stay put. And he'll stay put forever. Not too bad, though, because he only has an MA of two. He's not moving too much anyway. If you take a Treyman, he's just there to eat up tackle zones. And against a more bashy team, they'll probably come in with a claw player to take him off the pitch. But that claw player has to come in. And on that turn, you can take advantage of that claw player being out of position. So a treeman usually just sits there and eats up space on the pitch. 
and you use him to sort of guide where you want the ball to be. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in the tactics section. We'll talk about the star players briefly. There's only one star player that I think is worth it, though. That's uh, Eldril Sidewinder. There's another one, Dolphar Longstride, that might be worth it in very situational circumstances. But let's just talk about them all, and I'll explain why I think they are worth it or not. We'll start with the cheapest. That's Willow Rosebark. This is an elf in, like, this, this wood armor. Uh, she comes in at 150k with a stat line of 5438. She has Dauntless... Sidestep and Thick Skull, too expensive for what she is, um, only has the AG of 3, only has a movement of 5, Dauntless on a Strength 4 player doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, um, so I don't like it. I, I think you can do better with your 150k. When you have a team that is nothing but AV7, picking up some Bloodweiser Babes is probably a better pick. Dolphar Longstride, another 150k player with a stat line of 7347. Not a bad stat line. Has diving catch, Hail Mary pass, kick, kickoff return, and pass block. I don't think any of those skills really are worth the cost. Remember, your War Dancers cost 120k, so you're paying 30k extra. What are you getting out of it? Um, really, I think the only value that comes from Dolphar is kick. If you don't have a kicker, and you think you can really, really capitalize on kick, say, against a dwarf team, uh, maybe, maybe it's worth it. I'm not sure I'd ever pick up Dolphar, but mm, I could see it being an option. But next up at 200,000 gold is Eldril Sidewinder. He has a stat line of 8347, has catch, block, hypnotic gaze, nerves of steel, and pass block. And really, the only reason I think Eldril is, is worth it is worth the 200k is hypnogaze. Hypnotic gaze means that he can, uh, hypnotic gaze basically does two things for you. One, it eliminates tackle zones. So you can eliminate a tackle zone on your turn, which is great for a very, very fast team, like a Wood Elf team. And if your, your war dancers are going to be the ball carriers, then not only are they fast, but they are, they're kind of hard to take down. So just getting that hypnogaze to open up a hole can, can make all the difference and you can capitalize on that and get a TD out of it. So a very strong skill, but it also means that if you can't capitalize on it, or even if you can, that hypnogaze needs to be considered on your player's turn. He's not giving an assist. He's not really doing anything until he snaps out of it. Meaning that on your opponent's turn, he's going to have to action the hypnogaze player if he wants the hypnogaze player to lend an assist. So if he's in a key position to lend an assist against maybe a strength four player or something, that could be a real thorn in your opponent's side as well. But really, Hypnogaze, opening up holes, great pick for an inducement uh, for a Wood Elf team. Next up is Jordel Fresh Breeze coming in at 260k. Very expensive, has a stat line of 8357. 85 is pretty fantastic. Also a blodger with block and dodge, has diving catch, leap, and sidestep. Pretty solid player. I just don't think it's worth 260k. I think you can do better for your money. Again, Bloodweiser Babes. You could pick up with that. You could pick up two babes and a wizard. I would take that over Jordel any day, I think. 
Zara the Slayer comes in at 270k with a stat line of 6438. She has block, dauntless, dodge, jump up, stab, and stakes. Not a bad player, and I think she makes sense on, say, a Dark Elf team. I don't think she makes a lot of sense on a Wood Elf team. Again, Dauntless with strength of four doesn't really mean much. That's not going to be a factor unless you're up against, like, Kemri or something. Like, somebody with strength of five, or maybe even Lizards, if they pick up an extra strength or something. But uh, Jump Up's great. You don't have to spend the three MA to stand up. Dodge and Block being a Blodger, also great. Stab, not bad as well. Stab lets you make a straight armor roll. You don't have to roll the block, and that means it's safe. So if you fail the armor roll, it's not a turnover. Stakes is interesting. Stakes gives you a plus one to your armor roll against Camry, Necro, Undead, or Vamp. So it's like half a mighty blow. The problem is that you are never going to see a Camry or a Vamp team, ever. So you'll get to use it against Necro or Undead, uh, or unless somebody just really likes to play Camry or is trying something new, or somebody really likes vamps, you'll never see Kemri or Vamp in the league on the pitch. So it doesn't really hold a lot of value. For 270k, again, I think you can do better with your money. Finally is Morgan Thor coming in at 430k, a stat line of 6639, block, mighty blow, thick skull, and throw teammate. I never think Morgan Thor is worth it. I think 430k is a whole lot of money to spend. Uh, absolutely. We'll never see Morg on a Wood Elf team ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> So we know the players that a Wood Elf team can pick up. What are some starting rosters that you might see? Well, we'll start with my favorite one, and I think that's two Ward Answers and nine Linemen. That allows you to pick up two TRRs, at TRRs being team rerolls, and gives you 30k in the bank so you can pick up that Apothecary ASAP. You want to keep your Ward Answers safe. So that's just two positionals, right? That's the Ward Answers and the Linemen. Um... Why? Why do I like this as opposed to something else? I think Ward Answers are so good in this game, not just on a Wood Elf team, but in the whole game of Blood Bowl. Again, with that stat line of 8347, they have block, they have dodge, they have leap. You want to get your maximum complement of Ward Answers ASAP, in my opinion. You now have a Blodger with leap. So leap allows you to leap into cages, which you won't do too much to start with. You might, you might, but uh, you probably want to pick up Strip Ball. Um, otherwise, it allows you to leap to safety. So when they're down pitch, uh, you can leap away to safety. The only way an opponent's going to lock down a ward answer, A, he, he needs that pal. That's the only way he knocks down a ward answer. And B, if you want to keep a ward answer from getting into the end zone, you have to dedicate a lot of players to him, not just to mark marking the ward answer, but you got to get players in front of him to where he wants to leap to so that he still has to dodge away. Uh, so they're very, very good. And the linemen are no slouches either. Again, with that AG of four, a movement of seven, and three strength. Very strong. Very strong players. Uh, I think this is a great lineup. You get the two team rerolls. You want to get to three as soon as you can. It gets you close to your apothecary. I think that's a great starting roster, and that's the one that I prefer. Another way to go with Wood Elves is to swap out a lineman for a catcher or a thrower. Everything else stays the same. You just have less money in the treasury for the apothecary spend. But not a bad pickup either. If I had to choose, I'd probably pick the catcher over the thrower. doesn't really matter too much. 
Uh, either one's a great pick. Both, both, uh, players cost the same amount of money. I think the catcher with dodge and sprint is probably my preferred choice. You get that one turn TD out of it. Uh, the opportunity anyway. Um, you just get a lot more movement and you have dodge to keep him a little more resilient. But if you pick up thrower, then he can be your ball carrier. Uh, he can be the guy who picks up the ball and passes it around. No problem. Pass with an AG of four is, is really sick. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with either way if you want to go that route. I know I said Treeman are one of the best big guys in the game, but I'm not a big fan of Treeman on Wood Elves. Uh, I think they're expensive for what they are. I think Wood Elves want to move. I think in either of their strategic play styles, uh, it's all about movement. It's all about uh, getting to certain places on the pitch, and Treeman just can't do that for you. Um, so I don't really recommend starting with a tree man. Uh, I guess you could, um, but you'd have to lose a war dancer. I mean, tree men are 120k, war dancers are 120k. Um, I don't think that's worth it either. I think a war dancer, if it's between a war dancer and a, a tree man, I'd pick a war dancer every single time. Um, so I don't really have a starting lineup that starts with a tree man. I just don't, I don't think it's worthwhile. Um, but of course, feel free to try to experiment. I mean, Blood Bowl is a game with a lot of agency. Maybe you can come up with a roster that works really well. Um, but for me, for my money, it's two war dancers and the rest are linemen. Or you could swap out a lineman for a catcher or a thrower. But uh, personally, I think having the money for the apothecary is a higher priority than picking up the catcher and thrower. So how do Wood Elves play? What is their strategy on the pitch? Well, I think first and foremost in any Wood Elf coach's mind is keeping the players on the pitch. Everybody has an Avia 7, again, unless you have a Treeman. That means that you're going to lose players. And if you're going to lose players, you want to lose as few as possible in a game. Uh, it's possible to keep all your players on the pitch. There's an achievement for it in Blood Bowl 2. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, that should tell you it's pretty difficult with an AV of seven across the board. So keeping players on the pitch is a priority. This might be more of a tactical concern than a strategic concern, but I, I consider it a strategic concern because it's always in the forefront of your mind and always guiding your strategy, no matter whether you're going offensive or defensive. Keeping players on the pitch means reroll conservation. You have to know when it's okay to spend a reroll and when it's okay to not. You have to be comfortable with the turnover. You have to be okay saying, oh, you know what? That block didn't work out. Oh, he's KO'd? Okay. Okay, I'm cool. And the only way to be okay with that is to be really good with your action order. Your action order has to be on point each and every turn. If it's not, you're going to find yourself swarmed by other teams, often bashy teams, that will murder you. And you don't want to be rolling all those dice to dodge. You don't want to be giving up all those blocks to them so that more and more players come off the pitch. Action order is key with a Wood Elf team. Take your actions in order from least risky to most risky. 
If you're taking a move that requires no die rolls, do the moves first. If you're standing up a player just to mark another player, stand those players up first. Then take your blocks. Then take your dodges. Don't don't do anything with a, a negatrate until the end of the turn. Really consider your options and really try to set yourself up in a position where you won't be forced to take a more risky action uh, earlier in the turn rather than later. It's very important to have your action order on point and therefore your reroll conservation on point. Remember, having a reroll changes the odds significantly when we're talking about a, a D6 roll, right? So if, if a D6 roll is a 50-50, if it's a four plus and you have a reroll, instead of being a 50% chance of success, it's now a 75% chance of success. That's a huge difference. And so you want to keep those rerolls for when you can convert them into something, either uh, scoring for a touchdown or preventing the score of a touchdown. That's when you want to use your rerolls. I suppose if a reroll uh, means the loss of a ward answer or something, that might be a good time to use a reroll as well. So I mentioned at the start of the episode that there were two ways you could play a Wood Elf team. Uh, I'll talk about my preferred way first, and then we'll talk about the, the other way after that. But First, let's talk about the defensive play. So when I say defensive play, what I mean is you're just trying to keep your, your elves healthy. So something to keep in mind with a Wood Elf team is that you're so fast and so agile, you will score. Uh, it rare is the time where you don't score. Of course, it happens. You might be in the middle of a season or in the middle of a competition. You're down a number of players. Or maybe the, the turn starts off really poorly for you or something like that. It, it'll happen. Um, but you generally don't have to worry about scoring. You have a lot of mobility. You have a lot of movement. You have a lot of agility. You can get down the pitch very easily. A two-turn touchdown is not uncommon for this team. It's very easy to score very quickly, and therefore it's easy to rack up a lot of TDs. So if that's the case, then the big concern is how do I keep my players on the pitch so I can keep doing that? And that's to play defensively. If you win the coin toss, start off on defense. You start off on defense because you, you start the game off on defense, rather, because you are guaranteed to have 11 players on the pitch. There is no guarantee that you're having 11 players on the pitch after that first drive. This is your guaranteed best defense. So always go defensive. If you're going to play defensively, always start on defense if you win the coin toss. Then I like to set up in a column defense. So if you imagine a bird's eye view of the pitch, the line of scrimmage is in the middle. The two wide zones are to your left and to your right. I like to set up my players so that there's a column. So maybe there's a player in one space and then there's a player directly behind them. And then two spaces over to the right, we'll say, is another column and then another column and then another column. And you can set up uh, four of these columns. You need three people on the line. I would only put three people on the line. Very rarely would I put more than three people on a Wood Elf line. And that's again, because they all have an AV of seven. You don't want to get into a, a shoving match with them. You're going to lose. Put the, the minimum required number of players on the line, that's three. That gives you eight players left, and you can set up four columns. You want to set them up two spaces apart because they're exerting tackle zones. So if one of my columns is exerting a tackle zone all around them, then the closest I need to put my other column in order to make sure all the spaces that all of these, that these uh, columns cover have tackle zones in them, is three spaces away. So two spaces between them. And this way you can screen out the pitch while uh, 
not allowing a hole to open up for your opponent. So remember, again, you have an AV of seven. So if your opponent takes someone out, if you don't have these columns, if you don't have these extra tackle zones, then an opponent can open up a hole very, very easily and get behind your defense. So I set up this column defense. Now, four columns is not going to cover the entire width of the pitch, and that's fine. You're very, very fast. You can set that up in one of two ways. You can either put them dead center. I like to do that a lot. And let my opponent decide which of the two wide zones he's going to commit to. If he commits to a wide zone, then he is eliminating movement options. If he's going to go down mid-pitch, that's fine. I have that covered. If he wants to commit to a wide zone, he's not, you know, for example, if he commits to the right wide zone, he has no more right movement. And that means I can change my defense to start to encircle him and stop him dead in his tracks. And when we talk about tactics, this can be very dangerous for a team because a, a leap strip ball war dancer can get in there and get that ball very easily. And with an AG of four, sometimes with an AG of five, uh, getting the ball out of there, also very easy. So I like to let my opponent decide. I like to make him make decisions because often if you leave the decision making up to your opponent, they'll make mistakes. But if your opponent's not one to make mistakes, then just shut down one of the wide zones. You can shut down one of the wide zones. You can go one off the, the sideline and then column, two spaces, column, two spaces, column, two spaces. And if you do that, then you're giving up a much wider contiguous area of the pitch. But now you're telling your opponent, all right, go down that way. That's the way you're going to go. And if you do that, you can set up those columns in a much more effective way. So you can put your the players that you want to engage on that one side and the players that you don't want to engage on the left side. Otherwise, you got to have engagement on both sides in order to be effective. So that's another way to do that. I think that's probably the more common way that people do that is they'll shut down one wide zone, give up the other one and say, that's your lane, buddy. Good luck. Then on defense, it's just about stopping the run. Stop the run. Give up one space a turn, maybe zero if at all possible. And don't give up any blocks. So what you want to do on defense when you're playing defensively, uh, with a defensive strategy that is, is set your players up so you've always got these columns intact, or at least for as long as possible. If an opponent commits to one side or the other, then you can start to, to encircle him and start to encroach on his territory. But generally speaking, especially in the first few turns of a half, You'll go in, you'll you'll spend your blitz somewhere. You want to make a count. Um, it could be after a, a high-dollar target or a critical positional on your opponent's team. But more often than not, you'll be setting up that blitz to get a, a series of blocks. Blocks are safer than dodges. And the more blocks you take, the more players you can take off the pitch. So whenever you get an opportunity to block as a Wood Elf team, you really want to take it. So you'll take your blitzer, you'll move in, you'll take a two-die block, push him away, or knock him down. Whenever you push as a Wood Elf team, uh, generally speaking, you want to not follow up. And if you knock down, you want to follow up. But that, you know, that's depends on your tactics and the, and the board state and stuff. After you've done that with your blitzer, he's either already in position or you continue to move him to put him into position to get an assist on another block. And then you take that block and so on and so forth. Um, you do that as much as you can to push people away. Really, you're just trying, you're trying to take blocks that you're given and then push people off your defense. Once you've done that, then you can take your dodges and reset your columns and have your opponent try to do it again. You want to keep doing this and screening them out uh, over and over again uh, until 
time runs out or until you get an opportunity to get after that ball, which we'll talk about in just a second. But this is very effective against running teams. A little less effective against passing teams. When you have a passing team, you're going to have to start to splinter off some players to cover potential receivers. You don't really have to start with anyone in the secondary when you set up on defense, and that's because you're so fast. You're so fast as a Woodoff team that wherever he goes, you can match him. There are things like gutter runners with an MA of nine that you can't catch. Um, but if you have catchers on your team, not not a bad prospect. Not not much of a problem, really. So really playing defensively is just about setting up those columns, having your opponent come to you, and just keep them at bay. Keep them locked down to one blitz a turn if you can at all help it. If you can do that, your players are going to stay alive and you're going to stop the run. What's your game plan on offense when you're playing a defensive strategy? On offense, remember, you're very fast, you're very agile, it's very easy to score. On offense, really what you're looking to do is you're, uh, you're looking to send out your war dancers down pitch. To send them down pitch, remember they have block and dodge. There's only one face that's going to knock them down. They will be targets, especially if the only positionals you have other than your linemen are the war dancers. Your opponent's going to go after them every single turn. He's going to blitz them, probably even going to foul them. He's going to try to take them off the pitch. So you need to send a little protection. What I like to do is I send one war dancer down either wide zone, depending on how my uh, opponent's defense is set up. I'll send a lineman with them as well. I'll just send them down pitch. If one becomes open, I will then funnel players down to do a, a typical sort of defensive screen, a defensive, a, a, a protective line between the ball carrier and the rest of the pitch. So I'll have the sideline on one side, my war dancer, and then I'll have this line protecting the war dancer from... Uh, everyone else on the other side of the pitch. Um, and you, they'll stay up. They'll stay alive. Remember, they have leap, so they can, even if they get knocked down, they'll get away very, very easily. Um, the only way your opponent's going to stop that is either taking the war dancer off the pitch or they have to dedicate an inordinate number of players to stopping the war dancer run. They can't just dedicate two players. They have to get dedicate three or more. They've, they've got to get somebody in front of the war dancer so that when he leaps away, that there are still negative modifiers applied and, and forcing him to dodge. Um, so it's really, it's really, really tough to stop the word answer score. And therefore, that's what you want to do. You're sending as few players into harm's way as possible. And the players that you're sending out there are your most resilient players. Um, and then you score as quickly as possible. When you score quickly, any KOs you have have an opportunity to come back on the pitch. You can set up your defense again and do your defensive steps over and over. Recovering the ball on defense is not difficult, really. Uh, that's another very, very powerful, strong suit for Wood Elves. So I've talked about this leap blitz a lot. Let's talk about what it actually is. So imagine a standard four-point cage. A three-by-three three grid makes an X. You have the ball carrier in the center space and you have a defender on each of the corners of this three by three grid. So it's very, very tough to get at this ball carrier. Well, a war dancer can leap into that cage, right? He doesn't have to dodge into one of those four empty spaces next to the ball carrier. What he can do is he can leap in and then he can take a one die block. He has a strength of three. It's usually going to be a one die block. He can take a one die block against a ball carrier. How is he doing that? 
without those assists kicking in by the cage. Well, remember, assists only kick in if they are not, if the assists are not covered by one of your other players. So you can send in a player or two. So let's let's say it's two players. You send in one player to mark one of the corners. You send another player in to mark an adjacent corner. And then you leap into the space in between. Those two corners are no longer lending assists on the block against the ball carrier. Another way to do it is to send one player in. So imagine two corners on a cage and then a space out away from the cage in that middle space. You can put one of your your players, one of your defenders there. And now he's marking both corners of that cage with just one player. Now you can leap your your ward answer in and do the exact, exact same thing. Ward answers, if they can pick up an extra strength, they're absolutely going to pick it up. They're very, very frightening with that strength of four. Uh, that gives them basically a two-die leap blitz. And uh, ASAP, they're going to pick up strip ball. So strip ball means so long as they get a push on that on that block, the ball's coming out of the hands of the defender unless he has sure hands. This is hugely powerful. This means that the standard four-point cage is no longer safe. And this is a big, big problem for a lot of teams. And that's what makes... Uh, that's part of what makes the Wood Elf defense so powerful. This is made a whole lot easier if your opponent decides to commit to a wide zone, if he commits to it early even, and you have a full complement of defenders or close to it, you can start to encircle his his offensive cage, and now you can start to apply pressure, like standard pressure to the cage, and that leap blitz can be even more effective because now the ball might scatter out into an open spot where you can dodge in to get it or maybe dodge out to get it out of there. You can chuck the ball with your AG of four with another player. Um, you have lots of options to get the ball away. And to that end, when you're on defense as a Wood Elf team, no matter what your strategy is, you want to make sure somebody's always in scoring position. Um, in the beginning turns of a half, everybody's in scoring position, right? Um, but just make sure you're in scoring position because when you get that ball, you're so fast and so agile that you have a very good shot, especially if you have a reroll. You have a very good shot of chucking that ball to someone else and having him run down pitch where nobody can catch him. So if you always have somebody in scoring position to threaten that, uh, you stand a very good chance of converting a lost ball when you're on defense to a touchdown. So what's the other strategy you can employ with Wood Elves? Well, you can play offensively. So when you're playing offensively, if you win the coin toss, start on offense instead of starting on defense. And the reason for this is what you want to do when you're playing offensively, and this more or less holds true whether you are on offense or on defense, is you want to get, you want to use your high mobility, your, your fast movement to get behind the offensive or defensive line, right? So get behind the opponent's line. If you win the coin toss and you're on offense, then you can tie up opponents at the line. And this, this is a case where you'd have more than three players on the line. Tie up as many players as you can on the line and then spend uh, the rest of your actions, all of your other team teammates, all your other players, can run behind the line. And what this is going to do is this is going to basically cut your opponent's defense in half. So now your, your opponent's really only defending with half of his team. The rest are all tied up at the line. And you have such mobility that you can score in 
two or three turns, and this can really put a hamper on an opponent's defense. Tie them up at the line, move everybody else behind the line, cut the defense in half. When you're on defense, you can do something very, very similar. Uh, this is where kickers could be huge. Kickers are always great. Kickers are particularly good on a Wood Elf team, but if you're playing offensively, kickers can be a huge, huge boon. And this is the only, only time I can consider maybe Dolphar is worth it in the inducement phase. Um, but really, uh, you want to pick up a kicker when you can. I think for linemen, you pick up guard. I'm sorry, not guard. You pick up block when you can. Is there a level one? Level two, you want to pick up uh, a kicker. And the reason for that is, not even talking about offensive strategy for a minute, if you kick it against a slow team, you can kick it deep and then use your speed to get there before your opponent can set up. If you're against an agile team, maybe you kick it shallow and you can pick it up before your opponent can even pick it up. Um, but when you're playing offensively, you can kick it deep with a kicker and then that ensures you get your players downfield and you get to cut off that offensive line the way we discussed so a kicker can be a very, very powerful tool when you're playing this team offensively. The problem, of course, is that you're giving up a lot of blocks when you play offensively, and you could lose a lot of players. So you've really got to make sure that you're effectively cutting off the opponent's defense so that players aren't coming off the line to come back and play defense against the ball, and that you're really going to score quickly so that you're not taking uh, too many hits. What elf tactics? How do you make all these or either of these strategies work? Well, we talked about linemen, um, how I think the first pickup for any lineman on a wood elf team is block, unless you roll doubles. Um, and to that end, you want to get block on as many linemen as possible. So you want to spread out SPP. This is very easy to do for a wood elf team, and that's because uh, passing is very easy and scoring is very easy because everybody's so uh, maneuverable. So so quick. So you can get you can get in some passes to pick up some SPP. Uh, if a pass is too risky, you can even hand off to a player to get him the SPP on the touchdown. And you can spread that SPP across your linemen in such a way that you can pick up block fairly early. Um, and that's a big boon to keep those linemen uh, a little bit safer on the pitch. That's going to negate uh, one face on the block die and uh, keep them standing a little bit a little bit more. War Dancers. War Dancers are the bread and butter of this team. They have an AG of four. They have block, dodge, and leap. They are blodgers. Only a pal is going to knock them down. Uh, we talked about how the leap blitz works. They're very hard to take down due to blodge. This makes them excellent receivers as well. They're very easy. Uh, it's very easy for them to dodge away. Um, because they are great at hitting and they're great at blocking, they can do it all and they will do it all. Don't be afraid of using your war dancers. Yes, it means they're going to accumulate SPP, but don't be afraid. Don't don't worry about that. You want to get SPP on your war dancers. You want to make sure they're picking up strip ball. You want to make sure they're picking up a, an extra strength if they can at all help it. Um, even even an extra AG would be great. You have a war dancer that doubles as a passer. That's, that's fantastic. Um, but because of this, or rather because your players are so expensive, you really need to worry about bloat with a Wood Elf team. You have to be super considerate 
with your your skill choices. Um, I had a, a Wood Elf team in season two, and I had Dauntless. I had Dauntless on a on a War Dancer, and then I picked up a Strength Four after that. My Dauntless was total bloat, total bloat, and that's TV that's counting against me because you're scoring so quickly as a Wood Elf team. Uh, very rarely will you find yourself in the position of being the underdog. Uh, you're going to have a lot of TV on the team. Uh, even if you're down a player or two, you're going to have a lot of TV on the team. So bloat is a real consideration for this Wood Elf team. I don't think you ever want to be over t- about more than three TRRs, three rerolls, that is. Um, and if you ever find you have a player who's bloated, you're probably going to want to sack them. Just remember, they're very expensive to replace. So if you can avoid bloat... Um, that might be better. Uh, I don't, I don't know what I would do with a level three lineman. I'd probably sack a level three lineman. Um, unless he's a kicker. Uh, maybe I wouldn't. I don't know. You, you have to be really considerate with bloat. Make sure your, your TV is working for you. You don't want to be giving up inducements to your opponent, especially when you're so fragile. As mentioned earlier, getting strip ball on a war dancer makes cage busting even easier. You want to get strip ball ASAP um, because teams will start to pick up sure hands to counter the strip ball leap. So the sooner you can get strip ball, the better. You'll have more uses out of it, more effective uses out of it. Uh, I think for level three for a war dancer, uh, sidestep's a great pick. Sidestep lets him, they're already really tough to take down. Sidestep can make them that much tougher. Uh, they can sidestep away from multi-blocks. They can also sidestep to get extra movement towards the end zone or extra movement to where they want to go. Uh, if they roll doubles, I think Mighty Blow is a great pick. Mighty Blow lets you roll, uh, or rather gives you a plus one to your armor or your injury roll, whichever one you need it on. Uh, so not a bad pickup on doubles. But remember, your war dancers are going to be targets. They're always going to be the targets, especially if you're rolling with two war dancers and linemen for the rest. Uh, you need to keep that in mind and try to protect them if at all possible. But remember, they don't need too much protection. They have block, they have dodge. If they have sure, uh, I'm sorry, if they have sidestep, that makes them that much more of an annoyance to take off the pitch. If they have strength four, they're even more annoying to take off the pitch. Um, but don't just throw them away. You don't want to throw them away to your opponent because they're really the linchpin of your team. Um, and therefore, once you pick up the apothecary, I think that's your very first pickup after you roll a TV 1000 team. Uh, pick up that oppo as quickly as possible. And you want to save that apothecary usually for your ward answers. There are situational things, as with anything, right, in Blood Bowl or even in life, um, where maybe you spend your apothecary somewhere else, but you really can't afford to lose your ward answers. So you save the apothecary for those ward answers because they are so, so good at what they do. Another way to spread SPP around and we saw this a little bit in Season 2 with uh, the Dark Elf team. Uh, we saw maybe a little bit with the Wood Elf team, but is when you're on offense to start the half, instead of moving forward, instead of moving down pitch, move back. Move back toward your own end zone. This gives you time to chuck the ball back and forth safely between your players and grab some uh, extra SPP, and then you can open up that hole and just, you know, sprint down the line and nobody or sprint down the pitch and nobody can catch you. That's another good way to pick up some SPP, uh, especially when you're trying to pick up block on all these linemen. Because Wood Elves are so brittle, you are almost always going to have a journeyman, at least one, uh, on your roster. 
So again, action order is absolutely critical. Journeymen have the learner skill. That means if they want to spend a reroll, they have to spend it first. They roll a d6, and there's a 50-50 shot whether they actually get to use the reroll or not. So action order is very important. You want those journeymen usually to go toward the end of your turn. But other than that, they're linemen, right? Journeymen are always your your basic linemen with the loner skill. So they're really good. They still have an AG of four. They still have an MA of seven. They're very solid players. So don't be worried if you're if you're down a player or two or even three. Those linemen, not bad. Not bad pieces at all. Remember that a catcher can do a one-turn TD um, with their sprint ability. So learn the one-turn setups and uh, try to make use of it if you can. Getting a one-turn is, I mean, it goes without saying, but it can it can turn the tides, right? You're typically a game's ending 1-0, 1-1, 2-1 with a what else team. Maybe it's ending three to something. Um, but if you can get a one-turn, that's huge. And catchers can do it. So you want to make sure you know how to do it and leverage it uh, if you have a catcher or somebody with sprint or, or an extra MA or something. Finally, remember that as a fragile team, you want to get off the pitch ASAP. Um, typically with a more resilient team, when you are down pitch and safe, you want to stall. You can still do that situationally with what else, but generally speaking, you want to get off the pitch. Get off the pitch, get back your KOs, reset your defense. Um, or vice versa, right? Just get off the pitch, get back your KOs. You want to be as strong as possible. You don't want to give up blocks each and every turn and start losing players as the game whittles down. It's very easy as a Woodoff coach to find yourself with five, four, three players left on the pitch. And you want to avoid that if at all possible. So what else in summary? You're very brittle. Everybody's got an AG of seven. You want to Avoid taking hits when at all possible. You're very fast. You're very agile. Everybody has an AG of four. That's that's fantastic. That's absolutely fantastic in this game. So you want to leverage that to score quickly, and you can score quickly, and you can score often. So you're, you're just trying to keep your team safe. You're trying to keep them on the pitch so that you can score again. That's really what it comes down to, but it's very, very... It can be very tricky to do, especially for a new coach... If you don't understand action order, if you don't understand reroll conservation, uh, if you don't understand when it's okay to take a turnover and when it's not, if you don't understand uh, when to give up, when to mark a player and when not to mark a player, if you don't understand how to safely get your players uh, unmarked, right? A lot of players will just say, "Okay, well, I'm I'm taking eight dodges when they could have taken four dodges with some smarter blocks." Uh, you need to understand a lot of these things to be effective with a Wood Elf team, and it can be it can be difficult. Ward answers are one of the best pieces in the game. Don't be afraid to use them. Don't be afraid to level them up. They are amazing. Make sure you pick up strip ball on them as soon as you can, so you can leverage it as fast as possible. And uh, score, score TDs. That's what you do as Wood Elves. Uh, they're a great team to play. They're a lot of fun. If you haven't played an eight, uh, an agile team, uh, I'd say give them a shot.
that'll do it for this episode. You can watch the Mid-Atlantic Mauling League on Twitch at twitch.tv slash evaunit02. That's E-V-A-U-N-I-T, the letter O, the number two. And watch archive games on YouTube at Blood Bowl M-A-M-L. Be sure to check us out on the web at mammal.club. That's M-A-M-L dot C-L-U-B. You can also follow us on Twitter at Blood Bowl underscore Mammal or on Facebook at Blood Bowl Mammal. Play Blood Bowl! You can play Blood Bowl online via Cyanide Studios Blood Bowl 2 or in tabletop form via your friendly local game store. Be kind to each other. Forgive everyone. Praise Nuffle! And may he bless your dice.